the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Heidi ho It's Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Global death toll passes 75,000. Let's put that on the big board, Jerry. These are big numbers. I'm not making fun of it, comparing it to a Labor Day muscular dystrophy telethon. It just it feels like these are big numbers. Dow jumps 800 points as coronavirus begins to slow. That's the story. There's a lot of little stories out there right now, and if you were to Focus all on the COVID ones. It gets you a little loco. A friend of mine last week said, you know, talking about COVID is a lot like talking about politics. It gets messy fast, and you probably shouldn't do it. I think the stock market is saying, like, look, we're in for a tough period on recessionary time numbers. It's going to happen. You can't all sit at home and play video games and get fat. <clears throat> Without it happening, right? I know you're saying, I'm working out more than ever now. I'm not. I have more time on my hands than ever, and I'm probably not working out more than ever. So Dow's up big yesterday. Dow's up big today. Woohoo! But let's not party on that news. A friend of mine last week was, he's, he's a blathering idiot. Do we all have blathering idiots in the family at this point in time or not? But he talked about Sweden. He's like, Sweden hasn't had any sort of coronavirus. None. None. It's not because they have blonde hair and blue eyes. It's not because they're the, the, per, the perfect race of like beautiful-looking people. Nope, nope. It's because they, they're immune to COVID. Now, why they, and now they're expecting a massive surge of deaths. Somehow they avoided it, but now it's there. Okay. How will history remember COVID-19 will be the year that we refer to it as a super flu? I don't know. This is a weird one. Yesterday, they started telling stories about how, do you remember back in 2002 with SARS, that SARS would, they think it got infected. Someone was staying in their home, and someone else was staying in their apartment home, 10 floors above, and it somehow got from point A to point B, up 10 floors. And there's rumors, there's not rumors, there's stories like the flu virus could crawl through sewage pipes and like toilets. Like, whoa, that is a super flu. It's frightening, right? That's what we're dealing with right now is fright and fear. And we'll get back, and I'm not stressed by that in any way, shape, or form. The UK rejects Trump's offer to help with Boris Johnson's coronavirus treatment. I found that one a little bit weird yesterday. <laughs> Boris Johnson goes into ICU, and uh, Trump says, he's my friend, and uh, I'm going to ask the big pharmaceutical companies to make sure they send him good drugs. I'm like, that's kind of weird. How about me? What if I get it? Am I your friend? I want to be your friend. I want to get the good drugs. 75,000 people have died from the virus around the world. There's starting to become like more and more names that you're like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Still, no Boris Johnsons. And I think there would be a different response. And I think 
the UK will have a different response if Boris Johnson gets up and on, on his feet, and I think they'll have a different response if he doesn't. Austria and Denmark are planning to lift their coronavirus lockdowns, but experts say easing measures too early may not be a good idea. African Americans are getting hit the worst as far as ethnicity groups in the United States. There's a mistrust of government health services called the Tuskegee effect, which could be fueling the problem. Isn't this crazy that we're talking about all this stuff? When will we get back to talking about the good old-fashioned stock stories, like the luxury sector? Luxury sectors can get hit hard. I've got an insider who works in the museum industry. In the museum industry, a lot of their funding comes from foreign investors, foreign tourists, foreign nationals, saying, like, I really like your museum. Here's some money. There's more of that going on in the luxury brand world of, like, the foreign tourists drive Louis Vuitton, Moe, Hennessy. It's hard to erase the memory of you know the red and white sales in the world's most prestigious stores in Madison Avenue back at the end of 2008 when New York got hit by a financial crisis. Man, New York's not exactly the best place to live, right? Financial crisis hits the, the financial district hard. And then they also have a big shopping area that gets hit hard because the financial people are no longer getting their bonuses. New York City, they've been attacked by the coronavirus. They've been attacked by the financial recession, where we've sent out too much money to too many people, and the bankers and brokers got hit hard. They've been attacked by the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and Ghostbusters. Now the Ghostbusters movie sequel with a lot of the original cast is being pushed back. It's like, oh, would that have been a good movie this summer and or not? Movies this summer are getting pushed back. Uh, people are questioning whether Disney's going to be able to pull off Mulan in July. Major League Baseball is talking about playing part of the season in Arizona. There's at least 20 stadiums within, like, I don't want to say five miles of each other, but there's a lot of stadiums in a very close confinement. And they are talking about running the season without fans or running the start of the season without fans. And, like, I, I like some sports highlights just like everyone else. But I don't know if I need... I don't know if I need baseball that much, but, and I, I'm not trying to take anyone's money or business, but if you're not going to have fans in the States, it's still kind of weird. Luxury sector is not quite witnessing the same carnage as the financial crisis, um, as they did in 2008, but it's common. If you don't need something, something super expensive, it's an area that could get cut back. Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy is the bellwether. Which, I don't know a lot about farming sheep, but you need a bellwether for the other sheep to follow. So, the question is, the financial crisis, that recession, how much different is it than this recession going to be? This one, we were told not to shop. We were told not to buy groceries. We were told to stay home. The moment they let us out, we are going to be... I don't know, like a cat in heat. I, I, what's the right phrase of like how crazy are we going to be to get out in the streets? I'm growing a beard. It's not good looking. It's starting to look like Dave Letterman's. And I know you're saying, how long have you been in confinement? Like 10 years? No. Um, but your opportunity to buy stocks in luxury companies, here's the kick on it is, where do they make those purses? Who wants those purses? Who wants those that shit? Like who wants the high end? And you, where does the high end get made? So, 
you really have to know your companies well. I was talking with um, my producer earlier in the show, and we we're talking about Wayfair, and we we're talking about Carnival Cruise Lines, and he's kind of my millennial, where I want to start a show called Ask the Millennial, and he would be the guy who's standing in the corner, and like all of us Generation Xers or baby boomers would scratch our head and go, what's up with this avocado toast? And he would step up to the microphone and tell me, I'm not a millennial. Um, I'm looking at this market as quite interesting. I look at it as a stock picker's market. There's stories out there like mortgage forbearance. I can't pay my mortgage. I'm telling the bank I can't pay my mortgage. Can you please put it off mortgage company for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days? Forbearance requests have jumped 2,000%. Now, who do you feel bad in a coronavirus outbreak? Do you feel bad for the low-wage worker, the middle-wage worker, the middle-age worker with kids? Do you feel bad for the guy who's going from $12 million worth to $9 million worth? Do you feel bad for the guy going from $12 million to $9 million? Just saying that's a lot of money. Do you feel bad for the banks who have lent money to customers? And now the customers are saying, we don't want to pay for a while. But the banks are like, but we lent it to you thinking you would. I get there's a lot going on. The headlines are softening. The markets are responding to it. Don't get too greedy. Don't get too fearful. Know what you want when you want it. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. Some headlines out there. Markets opened big but pulled back a bit. I'm not expecting a V-shaped snapback to all-time highs. Would it be lovely? Sure. But I could also wait for it. I could also be averaging at lower prices and get there later in my life and have a better cost basis for it. I don't need instant gratification. Here's an area where I wish we could get back to these kind of stories. Alphabet, Google, is working on a project to get rid of mosquitoes. And it's showing some promise. An experimental program led by Alphabet to wipe out disease-causing mosquitoes succeeded in nearly eliminating them from three test sites in California's Central Valley. Now, I don't know what kind of money is involved in killing mosquitoes. I can tell you that mosquitoes are obviously carrying uh, blood, and they get a lot of people sick in the world. And financially, there would be a payoff, but it's not exactly like buying a phone and you're like, ooh, I got a phone. You're paying for the murder of mosquitoes. Now, Verily is the company that Alphabet is kind of saying, this is our little baby company, and they're going after some ambitious public health projects. Appears to be paying off. They're also running coronavirus triage and testing in parts of California. The debug angle of getting rid of mosquitoes Mosquito suppression is even more important during the pandemic so that the outbreaks of mosquito-borne diseases such as dengue fever don't overwhelm hospitals on top of the situation we're in right now. So am I excited by this? I don't know if I am or not. I don't – how do you get excited about the murder of mosquitoes other than to say they're everywhere? Um, and it would be nice if people didn't die from getting a, a, a bug bite that bit your neighbor, you know, 200 yards away and came and bit you and you got what he has. In this day and age, I get it. 
So I like seeing stories like that because we don't have enough stories like that right now. We got how many people are dead, how many people are going to die. There's actually a crazy story about Judge Judy. She's in contract negotiation, pissy deals that's fantastic, highest paid celebrity in television. Who would have thought Judge Judy would have been all that in a bucket of chicken? But we love legal drama. And the real life trials, something you haven't thought about yet, government court cases. If you get arrested, you have your right to your day in court. Or is it a day in telecourt? A lot of judges have moved operations online rather than put cases on hold. The result is custody hearings, bankruptcy proceedings, abuse charges. Other cases are being held in virtual courts. This is fascinating to me. Like if I were working in Hollywood right now as a writer, I'd like, we need a virtual courtroom. Drama. You know, some people in San Francisco have already come up with um, the Q Bachelorette, where everyone's getting on Facebook. Not Facebook. Is it a Facebook show? No. So they're using Zoom, and they're trying to, like, boy meets girl, boy meets eight girls, eight girls yell at each other. Some Like, they've redone it for the Internet. Now the National Center for State Courts is getting in on it. To date, three dozen courts have issued orders on virtual hearings. Connecticut, New Mexico, and others have mandated their use in some cases. How do you feel about not having your day in court, but on court? Then you hear about Zoom getting hacked and having problems. New York State's chief judge said the virtual court's up and running, and it's conducting essential and emergency proceedings via Skype. Um some cases that you're going to see are going to be broadcast on YouTube. In America, we have the right to go to the courthouse and wander around and say, huh, I want to go see what's happening here. It's oddly voyeuristic, but courtrooms are very, very rarely closed. So going through like a ex-girlfriend, ex-wife, ex-boyfriend, ex-husband's like email, you're like, this is voyeuristic. But is there not anything more voyeuristic than watching court live on TV? There's some privacy afforded by to courtrooms by old-fashioned physical distance. It's hard to remain an anonymous observer if you have to physically show up in person. Judges aren't thrilled at the thought of their work being put on YouTube. They want more flexibility and they want to be able to shut it down, but that ain't going to happen. On YouTube, anyone can watch it anonymously, and I, I got to admit, I might be you know, getting a little bit dry on content one night and go, I, I want to check this one out. So that's out there today. JP Morgan Chase CEO, Jamie Diamond yesterday talked about the recession and it's going to be a bad one. I want to keep talking about that because that's the next level. If we truly believe that this is going to be the week that makes Americans sad due to the number of deaths jumping if we truly believe that this is going to make America sad due to the number of cases and infections, we're hearing things. And did you hear the rumor yesterday that Central Park's being opened up for burials? I love when there's disasters because there's crazy, stupid stories. It's something tells me like if I could get buried in, in Central Park, I'm kind of, I kind of want to. I don't know why, but I kind of do. So that's something you need to be very careful on right now is it's so easy to get caught up in the hype. People are, are there a lot of scams right now. Someone may show up to your door later today. Knock, knock, knock. You open the door. 
You're like, I represent the city of, name the city that you're living in. San Leandro, San Francisco, San Jose, San Rafael, San Rafael, San Luis Obispo. Whatever city you're living in, they're going to say, I work for the city government. We have a supply of 10 masks. We want you to wear them, but we need a donation of $100 or something like that. A lot of that stuff happens. My mom now lives in an old folks home, which is probably ground zero for COVID. But one of the big fears that I had that I don't have anymore was that she was at home during something like this and someone knocked on her door. It is easy to scam old people. Not because their brains act differently, not because of uh, their senile old bats. It's because they're lonely a lot of times. And talking to anyone's better than talking to no one. It's that Harry Chapin Carpenter song. A child arrived the other day, came in the world in the most usual way. But there were bills to play, pills to pay, planes to catch. He learned to walk while that was away. Like, we get busy and we don't even take care of our elderly well. And, like, they're the ones who are susceptible right now to, obviously, sickness, but also scams. Big time. And there's a little old lady on my street who I should check in on. Mondelay, maker of Kraft cheese, which probably kills more Americans than tobacco at this point in time, said the rapid worldwide spread of COVID-19 has created global economic disruption and uncertainty. We expect higher sales in some markets and channels, such as the United States and European markets. Significantly, customers increase their current food purchase for in-home consumption. That sits well for us. Mondelay makes things like biscuits. And they're saying, you know, there's going to be a little disruption in some of the emerging markets. So a lot of the family-run stores aren't going to work terribly well for them. Duty-free stores, a problem with airports. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing and more. Denny's provided a corporate update regarding COVID-19. Denny's, the place you go for pancakes when you're 20 years old and it's 2 o'clock in the morning. You kind of want to extend the night with your buddies, your friends, your lady, whoever it may be. They're saying sales are going to be down about 6% compared to the first quarter of 2019. Again, not a totally fair comparison. How much of this was pre-COVID? How much of it was post-COVID? You got to like dig for the details. If a blind pig could find a truffle, you too could find some details on stocks you own. Or investment ideas. Like one investment idea is, and I hate, like history repeats itself. And it, sometimes it becomes cliche. Luckin Coffee was, Lukin Coffee was a, the Chinese Starbucks. And they, they were focused a little more on tea. They knew the market better. The story was, you know, a Chinese company in China, uh, better than an American company in China. It, it, the stock went boom, 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 marched higher, right? Coffee's not going away. It's kind of recession-proof. 
you know, you're not supposed to go to a grocery store right now, but tell them, tell me if your spouse doesn't go, go get me coffee. We're out of coffee. If you're not going to go into a coffee store, into a safe way. So Luckin is, it's spelled L-U-C-K-I-N. And a lot of people are dropping the L and putting in a curse word. But we're learning. Okay, I'm not going to invest in companies that are pure Chinese in pure Chinese markets because I can't actually go to China every day. I can't actually see if their stores are busy. There was a guy who, way back when, I just got into this industry. Um, he took over a company called Sunbeam. And Sunbeam had this crazy thing of they made appliances. His name was Al Dunlop, and he was considered he was called Chainsaw Al. And strangely, he reminds me of the current president. He was fired in 1998 from the top post at Sunbeam. He would run analyst calls that feel a lot like the current COVID calls that President Trump's running, where it gets incredibly contentious between president and reporter. Whether right or wrong, I don't really care. But Al Dunlop, I would listen to conference calls, and it was fantastic because they made toaster ovens and crock pots and stuff like that. And for some reason, their revenues kept going up. And yet their inventories kept going up. And what was happening was the company was sending toasters and crockpots to a warehouse and counting it in as sales. And financial reporters can, you know, there's something in financials that always smells kind of bad. And they would raise their hand during the conference calls and say, so, Al, good quarter, good quarter. I see that uh, the day sales outstanding, that people haven't really paid you in the last 90 days. And it's gone from 85 days to 90 days in the last quarter. In the last year, it's gone from 70 days to 90 days. That, that feels like, um, what's up with that? And he'd go, you don't know anything about business plans. Shut up. And he's yelling at a certified financial analyst to shut up. He was insane, the amount of rants that he would go on. Um, he got to the point where he hung himself, not literally, but as a figure of speech, the board of directors couldn't take his crap anymore. They couldn't take covering for him anymore. And he was the fall guy of his own company's scam and, or scheme. And like Wells Fargo, you've seen them. Like They did that, that okay, you want to come in and bank? Well, we're going to send you a credit card even though you didn't ask for it, but we're going to say you asked for it. There's some bad faith out there at times that has to result in a CEO getting kicked out and, and crushed. When Dunlop arrived in Sunbeam in July 1996, he slashed costs. He obliterated bloat by axing nearly half the company's 12,000 employees. He did another round of no-holds-barred downsizing. He wasn't well-liked. And then to try to show that he not only turned around the company, but he had it thriving was kind of bogus. He couldn't get to the company turnaround. He could fire people. He ran, He ran a... He wrote a book called Mean Business. I remember that now. And I used to have it on my bookshelf because I used to giggle. Because when he went down, he went down crying. He literally started crying like a baby on a conference call where he got called out finally. 
he was famous for going into a company and firing people. He wasn't famous for going into a company and um, reinvigorating sales. He has passed on, but he does teach us that lesson right now that we need to be very sensitive of, that fraud does exist out there. And whether it's something like luck in coffee, do you really need a Chinese Starbucks in your portfolio? Did you like get to the age of 40 and you've never been to Paris and you're like, you know what I really need in my life? You've never been in love. You've never, what I really need in my life is life is luck in coffee. Trust me, I'm, I'm fascinated by these stories too. I want the next Microsoft or the next Intel. Do you know who the next Microsoft is? Probably Microsoft. Back in 1996, there was an article in Business Week. The headline was the next Microsoft. And they, they identified six companies. And one of them was a company that I was investing in called CyberCash. Now, CyberCash made in 1996. Go look this up. It's a fascinating story. And you can look up Business Week, CyberCash, the death of Microsoft, or the next Microsoft. And you'll see, you may be able to find an online version of the article. But CyberCash was a company that made digital coins. Does this sound familiar? This was 1996, and we we're talking about everything becoming a digital wallet. So when you're surfing the brand new internet on Netscape, what was Netscape's browser called? <laughs> like, do you remember these things? Did they have different versions of different browsers? Um, stocks used to move on press releases on new versions of software. Netscape had what was called Navigator. And Firefox and Internet Explorer and, you know, all these, are they built into the system or not? But I, I hope you miss those days. But anyway, CyberCash was called the next Microsoft, and it came public, and it traded way higher, and then it crashed because it was able to grow revenue, it wasn't able to grow earnings. And you can probably think of a digital wallet story that held your cash, you know, instead of going to a bank and depositing a check and waiting three days for it to clear, this was like instant gratification. Flash forward 20 years, 23 years, and you've got things like Venmo and PayPal, but you also have things like Bitcoin. So the company was in the right place at the, at the wrong time, and they brought the attention. They got the you know, financial media companies calling them the next Microsoft. Too soon. And then they gave Microsoft time to be the next Microsoft and say, you know, we could do digital currencies. Stephanie Grisham out as White House press secretary. She will become Melania Trump's chief of staff. Didn't that already happen? Didn't she jump from chief of staff to, yeah, I think she did. More Americans are worrying about losing wages and covering costs. I hear that. And if you haven't talked to your employees, don't talk to them via email about changes coming or might be coming. And if you haven't talked to your email, your employees, talk to them soon because they may be thinking, am I okay? Like, when do the job cuts hit ring for me? When does the bell toll for whom the bell tolls? Voters in six 2020 election battleground states are most worried about getting the coronavirus. Concerns about losing wages and covering costs are increasing. We were woefully unprepared for a pandemic on the healthcare front. And bless the nurses and the doctors and the firefighters and the police officers for doing the work that they're doing. And everyone else. I'll even go as far as to say, at some point in time, I want to hug the people at Safeway for going in and stocking the shelves. I'm not there yet, but at some point I do. But we weren't prepared for an emergency situation, a cash flow situation. 
two months ago, I do stories about Americans are woefully unprepared and they don't have an emergency fund. Now we found out what we need it for. The COVID-19 outbreak has ripped through the United States, infecting over 368,000 people. 84% of respondents to a survey done in April say that they've got 84% say they've got serious concerns about themselves or a family member getting sick up from 51% in March. 82% said they were more worried about their family's health and safety than their family's financial situation. I watched a little Fox News yesterday because I like watching both sides. MSNBC, CNN, and Fox. And it was interesting because the the host was, uh, you know, signing off with a, sure, a lot of old people are dying, sure. And that's horrible. But there, it's very few. It's a very small percentage. And the number of percentage of people, you know, who are small business owners, he's like, it's, it's through the roof. It's crazy how much hurt they're going through. I'm not taking away from pain of the old people. But and then there you see like studies that Corona is hitting children like three and four years old. So it's not let's not pick on old people. But the commentator made a case of the physical pain that businesses are going through and, and employees are going through is greater than the physical pain of seniors dying. Like we are in that area of how we are discussing this. And I will say I like them both. We got to worry about our health, but we also got to worry about our financial health. You can't put one or the other off. They work in tandem over the long term. 35% of respondents say the U.S. economy is in good or excellent shape. This was 40 days ago. We were the hottest economy in the world ever. And now it's we're worried about it. And that shuts down economies. Worry more so than reality. Little killers taking us a break. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Yeah, I know. You gotta help me out. Little killers goes a long way in times like this. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. So this is a band called AJR. It's three kids, because they're all under 30. Brothers from New York. That's called a bridge to do your thing that goes like this. They were very smart musicians, in my opinion. They've got a new song coming out later this morning. I know that because Instagram. Do you have any good recommendations for me? I think if you were to listen to AJR's Neo Theater three times, you'd be like, that's a catchy pop band. They're not writing music that's going to change the world, but it's cute. One of the best ways I ever got advice was I was open to it. When I was in college, I read, you know, basically a major novel a week for, I went through a hundred greatest novels. I think I finished 96 out of a hundred on the list that year. And a lot of what I would do after that is I would ask, I waited tables, I delivered pizzas. I did all sorts of things to make ends meet during college. I didn't have parents doing anything. I got scholarships fine, but you still needed money for pizza and beer and stuff like that. Right. So for me, um, I would ask people, like, what's your favorite novel? And, like, the best piece of advice I ever got was listening to other people that I thought were, like, really smart or snarky. or They had something going on, right? So there was a later named Joe, and he said, hey, it's the Depth Third Trilogy by Robertson Davies. I'm like, wait, wait. I said, what's your – well, give me one. He gave me three. It's a trilogy. 
I understand why a lot of people listen to the show is because I'm giving you some like my best ideas on stocks and some of my best ideas on investing. And I'm giving you 25 years of doing this. And I've learned how to do insurance. I've learned how to do financial planning. I've learned how to do not perfect at any of those. But I've learned how the financial community, you need to kind of meld it together. But still, the best piece of advice I ever got was that third trilogy on books. And it was because I was willing to ask someone. Um, Robertson Davies, Canadian author, he's long past, but he wrote books that were incredibly slow, but also incredibly smart. So he'd have like a main character in the first book of the trilogy, and that main character, his best friend's wife's sister is the main character in the second book. And then a kid that he had out of wedlock is the main character in the third. And they all kind of intersect. And it's like, that was well done. Like when it's all said and done, you're like, they pulled that one off beautifully. My point being is it's great to get advice from other people if you're willing to do that. And I'm willing to do it. And it's great to get criticism from other people. And I'm willing to do that. Um, I will totally knock someone for going after bad ideas. I've recently heard someone essentially cry during a business meeting because the market's, you know, not behaving correctly. They were totally upset that the market was down from all time highs. I'm like, I couldn't say it because it was a business meeting, but I'm like, are you insane? Do you think you deserve to be at all time highs, 52 weeks of the year, 365 days, seven days a week, uh, for your whole entire investment life. And then after that, screw everyone else. You could do whatever you want. It wasn't longer that we were all time highs. Um, that's a good thing and a bad thing, right? I like off markets, but I don't think I'm entitled to all-time high markets. We'll get there. And I don't know if it'll be in the short term or the long term. I don't want anyone to feel crazy pain. So if it's killing you, don't do it. Um, ExxonMobil, one of the largest oil producers in the United States, is rallying today. That's not my... I, it's tough for me to advise on that. Do I like the stock? Yeah. Do I like the idea of buying an oil company in, a, a, in the face of a world recession? No. How do you make money? You tend to do things that you don't necessarily like. White House is holding meetings today with various businesses on the CARES Act. I hate the name the CARES Act. CFP Chad Burton's got a great write-up on the CARES Act. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. But companies like Visa, MasterCard, Goldman Sachs, Citigroup, Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan, they all have to be the facilitators, the financial middlemen, so to speak, from the government to you and me to either get us loans or get us cash or kind of like to help the financial system. More updates on COVID-19. Owens Corning is in the news. Very cyclical stock. Um, a lot of building products. If you ever drive by a construction site or you know someone who swings a hammer for a living, um, price targets are coming down anywhere between 15 and 30%. Targets on sales, targets on earnings, targets on price of the stock. Um, Mohawk, Masco, a lot of home products. That, like I was, I was looking at some surveys on... Um, construction workers. A lot of construction workers are staying home. State governments are saying, hey, if you're building a house for that rich fat cat, forget about it. But if you're building a house for low-income housing, you could still come to work. But a lot of people still aren't coming to work. So every industry that you could think of is getting hit by COVID. And we've never had anything like this before. 
ever on the scope or this magnitude of the number of businesses getting hit. So there's going to be some stock winners out there. There's going to be some losers. There's going to be some real changes to the way we approach restaurants for the rest of our lives. Redfin has disclosed 41% of its agents will leave the company. So Redfin is in the business of selling homes and selling information about homes, right? They're getting hit. Earlier in the show, I talked about how some court cases are moving to YouTube. That's all well and said for you and me, but do we need five bailiffs? Um, do we need five you know, people scanning people for guns if we're doing it on YouTube? No. So the amount of disruption is we can't even fathom it yet. <coughs> How about movie theaters that put seats six feet apart? Have you seen the restaurants that are like putting tape on chairs to make you like say, this is six feet? <coughs> Going to be some changes, and I'm good with that. I like the way the market's reacting right now. The swings still seem big, but they are nothing like they were two weeks ago. We're trying to put together sideways action, in my opinion, maybe slightly up, maybe slightly down. Yesterday was one of the biggest days ever. We've had one of the worst days ever in the last 30 days. So don't get too caught up. Don't get too hog wild with excitement or hog wild with fear. You got the markets giving up half their gains from the start of the day. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com.